Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by Jergens Wet Skin Moisturizer. Now you can lotion up on wet skin. It absorbs like that for softness all day. Jergens, let your beautiful shine. Hey guys, it's also time to start thinking about summer activities for your kids. If you're like me, one of the things you're going to look for this summer is a fun, safe, and Christ-centered camp to send your kids to this summer. So I want to tell you about Pine Cove. Our family has loved Pine Cove for years, and it is right down the road from me in Central Texas. It's a Christian summer camp for kids in 2nd through 12th grade, and it is so much fun. Your kids are going to love hanging out with their intentional counselors. And as a mama, you're going to love how safe it is. Not to mention, they've got an app where you can see daily pictures of your kids and even have them write letters back and forth to you. So cool. Guys, check out pinecove.com to sign up today. Okay, friends, you are listening to episode number 185. And my guest today is Holly Hayes. I actually met Holly through our mutual friend, Anna, and I'm so thankful that she took the time to share her story with myself and with you today. God radically transformed Holly's life. And believe it or not, it all started with a stolen Bible. I start out this show by telling Holly about a conversation that I recently had with some of my friends at the jail about hitting rock bottom and the unique opportunity that they have to grow. And then Holly started sharing her story of hitting rock bottom. I just want to let you guys know, as you're listening to the show, that we discuss addiction and abortion and sex trafficking. And so this might not be suitable for younger ears. Holly's story is going to move you to love God more. I am confident of that. If you're someone that's listening to the show and you think to yourself, I've done something that is unforgivable. Friends, I want you to stick to the end of the show because Holly is going to give you some big encouragement in your journey. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram because we're doing a giveaway of a necklace from Holly tomorrow. Find me over at Instagram at Jamie Ivy. You guys, next week is our very last book tour stop in Waco, Texas. If you still want tickets, you can get them at jamieivy.com slash Waco book tour. These nights are so much fun. And in fact, just this past week, we were in San Antonio and Nashville for book tour stops. Two of my favorite cities, by the way, which actually one of my kids was born in San Antonio and one was born in Nashville. Crazy. There's so much fun. Grab your girlfriends. Come alone. If you're coming to the Waco book tour stop, we've got half price tickets for all you college gals. All right, my friends, here is my conversation with Holly. Hey, Holly, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me. Okay, introduce yourself to the listeners. So my name is Holly Christine Hayes. Um, I just moved to Austin, Texas recently from Paris, France, which has been an adjustment. Okay, so um, I've never been to Paris. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have to go. But I've lived in Austin for 10 years and, wow. and I love it. I love Austin too. It's a great city. Which but one do so you like better? Different. It's just so different. So, well, I can imagine. Yeah, I think... Um, 
Paris for me, it was a dream. It was like growing up, I, I always was like obsessed with France. I was a Francophile from even from a childhood. I used to tell my parents like, when I grow up, I'm going to live in Paris, France, and I want to dance for the ballet there. And I just always loved it. And so it was such a dream come true to be living there. I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would end up in Texas. I grew up in California. So, mm. um, and lived in New York and lived in Boston and LA and yeah. And I've just never imagined I would end up in Texas, but I'm really loving it. I love of like the countryside. I love the, um, just the space between everything. And then the people, the people are so kind, which is definitely an adjustment from France. Really? Yeah. <laughs> are people mean in France? Like you, the, we have all these preconceived ideas about just French. different. Like okay. they, so it's a cultural thing. They're, they're more guarded. I think in America, we tend to be really friendly with people. Even we walk into a coffee shop and we're smiling at the person who's taking our order and For saying, sure. hi, how are you? Uh-huh. And Especially in the South. I mean, absolutely. that's yes, common. Yeah. yeah. And that's just not a thing in France. It's, they're very guarded. If they don't know you, it's like, they don't smile. They're, they're just very professional. So it's not even that they're being mean. Not at they're all. They're just being themselves. They're just being, yeah. They it's just, it's a they cultural, yeah. they think we're fake because we're so nice. <laughs> we're, we come in and we're, we're like, Hi, weird. How are yeah. you? And they're thinking, I don't even know you. We're not friends. Why are you smiling Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so what brought you to Austin? Well, I was recently married. I'm a newlywed. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks. Um, so my husband and I met in San Francisco. We were, met in a Bible study there and we were just friends. And then I moved to Paris and he started seeing pictures of me in front of the Eiffel Tower. And apparently I looked a lot prettier. <laughs> than at the Bible study <laughs> yeah, in exactly. San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. He <laughs> was like, hmm, all of a sudden she's beautiful. Yeah. I want to, I want to pursue her. So he actually moved to Paris to pursue me. Stop it. I know. Isn't that so sweet? He's so special. So, and yeah, and he definitely had hard time in France because he's like America on steroids. Like yeah. he's the smiliest, <laughs> kindest man in the world. And he walked in everywhere with his big American smile. And I mean, he might as well have been saying howdy partnered. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he's California. Is he from Texas originally? Well, his work brought him here. Gotcha. And so he, um, so he started, he's been working for a company for a lot of years and they transferred him out here and I came to visit and fell in love with it. And um, we really wanted, after we got married, we wanted to be here in the States to start a family yeah, yeah. and stuff. So. Well, welcome to Texas. Thank you. We're happy you're here. Thank you. We accept you and welcome you <laughs> with all you. of the things. Thank you. I'm trying uh, to be more smiley. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> um, well, you know, I met you, you came to which, your, your book which tour. Part? I was like, yeah, yeah, you came to something recently that yep. I've had. Yes. Yeah. And I got the chance to meet you and we've gotten to text a little bit and very, very little get to know each other. Yeah. Um, so I am so excited to sit down with you today uh, because I think we have a lot of the same passions and Definitely. a lot of same love for God's word and for his people and for women finding freedom. Yeah. And so I actually want to start out with telling you this story. I was at the jail this week. And I was talking with some um, of the girls at my table and I got the opportunity to tell them that they have this unique opportunity right now where they are. Um, I was like, you know what? Jail sucks. Like yeah. nobody wants to be here. And all of them at the table um, struggle with addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, in jail, I've yeah. met like five people who haven't it's in two and a half years. Yeah, it's, 100%. <laughs> yes. And so they all struggle with addiction. And so I'm like, listen, you've been sober for you 41 days, you three weeks since you've been here. You know, so right, I'm telling them all right. of these things. I'm like, you have this unique opportunity to like, a, be sober, but B, also realize how do I want to be different when I leave? And I always feel, and I always tell them this. I said, and listen, if you think it's weird coming from me, like I get it. I don't struggle with addiction. Right. I've never spent a night in jail by the grace of God because I could have. Yeah. And so I always set it up with like, I get it if like you're thinking, okay, woman, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But they talked about also about how some people think that they're fake because they've quote unquote found God. 
in jail. Right. And I was like, you know, I can see how people would think that about you, but also not in jail or not. When do a lot of time, like people reach out to God for the first time? Rock bottom. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was like, listen, you don't have to be fake. You hit a, you're at the rock bottom. And so That's there's only one way to, to reach God. and it's yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And you understand that. I do. Yeah. So tell me and the listeners, and I know one sentence of your story. Okay. So this <laughs> is going to be me hearing everything for the first time. Okay, yeah. Tell me parts of your story, because I think what it's going to do for the listener is they're going to see, golly, God is as great as we think that he is. He absolutely is. Yeah. God is as good and kind and faithful as we think that he is. And also, I think it's going to open up people's eyes mm. to things that are right around them that they don't even realize are happening. So yeah. tell us some of your story. Yeah. So I, I didn't grow up in the church. I never had a relationship with God growing up. Um, I My family was, uh, both my parents were professors. So it was really an intellectual family. And um, and the focus was always on achieving or uh, fitting in or, you know, doing all the things that the world says to do. And and so I didn't, uh, I didn't have any, any understanding of God. Um, and after my parents got divorced, uh, when I was 14, I spiraled into a cycle of alcoholism and drug abuse and, um, really stemming from, from depression, I think, and, um, and lack of identity. And, uh, and there was some abuse in my childhood. I was sexually abused as a child as well. So I think some of that was repressed and was driving a lot of that. But, um, but that progressed really quickly for me. And, uh, by the time I was 15, I was drinking every day and using drugs every day. And living with your parents. I, my parents were divorced at the time and I went to live with my dad. Um, my mom and I had had struggles. And so I lived with dad cause he was a little more. For sure. <laughs> yeah. You were and, not a dumb 15 year. I mean, right, you know, you were right. making some really bad choices, was, but yeah, you knew what was going to be best for I'm, what you wanted. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and my dad actually struggled with alcoholism as well. And so, um, but yeah, so I, by the time I was 15, I was drinking and using drugs every day. Um, by 16, I, I dropped out of high school and I had, I'd always been a good student and an achiever, uh, but it really took me down quickly. And, uh, by 19, I had my first DUI and I'd been arrested a couple of times and had my first abortion when I was 16. Um, by the time I was 19, I'd had three. Mm. And, uh, and by the time I was 21, I, um, I, I was homeless. I lost two jobs as a prostitute because of my drinking. And I um, found myself in a spiritual and emotional and uh, physical bottom beyond comprehension. At 21 years old. 21 years old. When most people are in college. Yeah, it should have been the start games. of my life, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to hear when you are younger and you're, you know, 16, yeah. first jumping in and you see your life is spiraling out of control. Well, you probably don't realize it at the time. Right, no. Did I thought anyone, it was having fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it was fun. I it always say like, it yeah. is fun because why would anyone do it? But it's so Absolutely. harmful and it's not fulfilling, right. you know? Um, was anyone aware of your life spiraling out of control? Friends, teachers, parents, family, anybody? Yeah, I think, you know, I think progressively people started to become aware. It's really easy to hide in um, in high school or in college when you're drinking because there's, um, you know, everyone's doing it. There's this sense that everyone's doing it. And, oh, it's just like, we're just partying on the weekends and it's no big deal. But for me, I was I was drinking with different groups of people on different nights so that I could drink every mm, night. And yeah. um, and there were people who started to realize it and, and would even confront me about it, especially as I got later on and as it progressed, but I just pushed them away. Mm -hmm. I would just push away anyone that wanted to talk to me about it or, um, or was judging me for mm -hmm. it or yeah. that didn't fit really in the, yeah. the lifestyle I was choosing. What about your abortions? Did you go alone? Oh, so heartbreaking. So, um, well, gosh, every scenario was different. Um, 
the first time I went, actually, my dad took me mm -hmm. um, and, and he walked me in and uh, yeah. And, and I remember there was these lines of, of uh, pro-lifers <laughs> with their signs and um, they had these little plastic fetuses and, uh, and they kept trying to get them to take, trying to get me to take them. How old were you? I was 16. And 16. so you walked in with these people, were they yelling? They were yelling. They were, uh, you know, it's funny the way I remember it in my mind, they were so angry. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of, you're killing your baby. You're killing your baby. Don't kill your baby. And at the time, like truly, I tell you, I did not feel like I was killing a For baby. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, at that point I was addicted to crystal meth already at 16. I was, uh, I dropped out of high school already. I was, uh, I knew it was a drug baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I still had this hope somewhere deep inside that I was going to have a normal life. And so the reason for making the decision to have an abortion was I'm, I want to have a normal life someday. And this is not it. And this is not it. Like having a drug baby at mm -hmm. age 16 is not going to lead to a normal life someday. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, not having a relationship with God, not having the Holy Spirit in me at that point, I really didn't feel like I was murdering a mm -hmm. child, which now is crazy to me Yeah, because I do believe now that, um, that abortion is murder. And, uh, but I just didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. You know, I meet a lot of women um, who are in our program at the jail who have felt the same way. Right. Is they just didn't feel like there was another option. Right. They didn't feel like there was another option. And um, on our If You Only Knew series that we've done uh, on the happy hour earlier this year, my friend Sean was on and she talks about having abortions. And she even said, which I still, I'll never forget this. She said that her second abortion, she hardly remembered mm -hmm. until she got sober and started walking through wow. uh her AA program. Right. She hardly even remembered. Yeah. Not that if she was blacked out, but she just pushed it away. Right. Like it just maybe didn't even happen um, because yeah. of just trauma and alcoholism and addiction, all kinds of things. Yeah. And I agree. I probably only remember mine in pieces and flashes. And I remember after the first one, I threw up and they told me, uh, it's really normal to throw up after your first one. It won't happen again after your next ones. Mm. And how heartbreaking, right? I mean, it was like, um, and this was at a large clinic that we're probably all aware of. And, you know, and it was like, this was their approach to abortion was like, oh, it's your first time. So you'll throw up your first time, but don't worry, it won't happen again. And oh my gosh, how heartbreaking that mm. that's the, the approach that's being taken. Yeah. So what did you feel like when you left, because I know you said you walked in and, and you're young and you're scared and you're mm -hmm. afraid and there's people in your mind that you felt as though they were yelling at you that you're killing your baby. Then you have your abortion and then you leave. Did yeah. you, you, you mentioned, I know you told me yeah. that that was a moment for you of you thinking where, or even after you became a believer, did you remember back, back to that moment and think, yeah. where were those people yeah. with the abortion issues that we have today in the right. country. What are your thoughts? How did that, how did you feel about that? Yeah. So it's interesting. So I've had, I've had five abortions. I had five abortions over those years. And every single time as I was walking out, what happens is like, you know, going in, I'm, I'm sure I'm making the right decision, right? Going in, I feel hundred percent confident that this is the decision that I should make. But then while you're in there, your body is literally being ripped apart. Mm. There's physical pain that happens there's an emotional pain that you don't expect. There's a hormonal change and shift in your body. And then, um, and there is, I believe a spiritual awakening even that happens in that, even before Christ, you know, that, that happened in me at least where when I walked out, I was wrecked, absolutely wrecked all four times, all five times. Um, there was one time where I had to go alone, uh, and I was in a relationship with an abusive man and, and I, and I went alone. And as I was leaving, I didn't have a ride. I didn't have any money. 
I didn't, abortions cost money. So I just spent all my money on the abortion and I didn't have anything or anyone. And I was so emotionally destroyed. And I realize now, like that would have been the time for those people to be there. That would have been the time for those Christians to have um, taken me under their wing and said, we love you. We love you even in the midst of your sin. We love you even though you just committed murder. Do you need anything? Do you need a ride? Do you need help? Do you need, you know, do you need resources? Do you need shelter? Do you need to get out of an abusive relationship? What do you need? Because we want to be here for you. Golly, that like makes me tear up and cry because I think, man, we think in those moments, like no protest, tell these people they're killing their baby, tell them to stop. Yeah. And then they do it and we're like, well, yeah, sucks to be you. That was the message I got was like, well, you killed a baby, so we don't care about you anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, we as Christians are missing an opportunity to love people the way Christ does, because I know, know that I know that I know that he was there with mm-hmm. me, that he met me at that back door on the way out, that he never left my side, even for a moment, even during those abortions, he, he promises he never leaves us or forsakes us. So that means he did not leave my side, even in the midst of the most atrocious sin and the most heartbreaking moments, he never left. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I always wonder how can we as Christ followers actually never leave people, even in the midst of what we consider the most atrocious sin? Yeah, it is. It's convicting. Yeah. You know, and it should be. For me too. It should be. It should pierce our hearts in ways that say, are we just people who want people to look good and do the Mm -hmm. right things? Or do we actually care about people's souls and hearts? Right. Because in reality, if someone had met me with the love of Christ and, um, you know, I'll, I'll share a little bit about what happened later and how I met Jesus. But if someone had met me with the love of Christ at that door, at that back door, even that first abortion, that first time, I would, I, I don't. I don't think I ever would have had a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth abortion. And so if the goal is really to um, save unborn children, you know, I think, I think we have to save souls first because we really don't know that it's murder until we have the Holy spirit in us until Mm. we have a relationship with God to, to reveal that truth Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. When we're walking in addiction and we're walking in sin and we're living a life that's so far from God, how could we possibly know or care about doing God's will? Mm it's 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 so true those are all the things that you were walking you weren't walking with god addiction loneliness depression and then you walk in and what's happening outside that was not going to be like oh my gosh you're right yeah exactly this is murder i see it you know and so (laughs) let me join you in your protest (laughs) exactly exactly sign up (laughs) exactly it's such a good word for us to remember not even in this just scenario this scenario but in every encounter that we have or every cause that we're against or everything that we want to happen that it is more about loving people loving people yep loving people. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. 
Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Um, okay, so you're dropped out of school. Um, by 21, you've had mm-hmm. numerous abortions. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Yeah, so I um, I was on the floor of a public bathroom one day. Uh, it was February 10th of 2001. And I was just, I just started bawling. I was watching my tears hit the floor and I just said, God help me. And I have no idea why I said it. Uh, it, it was like my soul crying out from, mm-hmm. from the depth of a pit. I had no other words, um, but I was just so lost. I couldn't stop. I couldn't keep going. Uh, and I said, God help me. And that night, that very night, just a few hours later, I ended up meeting someone who was 18 years old and he was three years sober. And he took me to my first recovery meeting Mm. that next day. And I've been sober since that day, which was February 11th of 2001. So you went, you were sober since then. Immediately. This is not, this is not the normal story that we hear with someone addiction and alcoholism. Yeah. It's pretty miraculous. Okay. So you're on the bathroom floor. 
God help me. What led you there? What was happening in your life previously before it led you there? Yeah. So I, um, I was in a really abusive relationship at the time. And I, I'd always thought that the very lowest that I could go in terms of life would be um, working as a prostitute. Uh, but I found out that the very lowest that I could go was actually failing as a prostitute, <laughs> um, losing two jobs as a prostitute. Because um, you thought this, this if I get here, it's the worst. That's the worst, right? And then, then you find I out like, I can't no, even no, do this job. Worse. Yeah, I, I couldn't even show up. Um, I'd actually lost a job as a stripper earlier um, because I showed up drunk and then uh, lost two jobs as a prostitute because I just kept getting drunk and didn't show up. And so, I mean, praise God I didn't, right? right, um, right. I, I thank God for that. Now, I think it was a wonderful protection now, but at the time it just felt like the worst failure. I'm failing again. I can't even be a prostitute. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I was in a relationship with this man who was the one who was selling me. And, uh, so funny at the time, I remember thinking like, wow, he thinks I'm so special. He thinks that I'm so sexy and amazing and mm -hmm. wonderful that he just wants the whole world to enjoy me. And what an honor. I mean, I honestly felt like flattered by mm. it. And obviously How looking back you? on it now, it started when I was 19. Okay. And it went on for those two years um, uh -huh. from 19 to 21. And yeah, it's so funny because I had no idea that um, that, that wasn't okay. Mm. I really thought that he loved me. I thought he was trying to help me out. <laughs> And uh, I thought he was, you know, trying to um, share me with with all of these people who um, could enjoy me as mm -hmm. well. And then we could both make money on mm -hmm. it. Did not realize that uh, that him selling me and taking a cut of the proceeds was trafficking. It's trafficking. That is trafficking <laughs> no at idea. its definition. If you're yep. take, if you're giving money away, I noticed that when um, we do our section on trafficking at the county jail, we'll talk about trafficking. We give we give stats. We tell about it. Mm -hmm. And then what you just said was. I didn't realize that when he was taking money that it was trafficking. Yeah. And we talk about the ways, what makes trafficking, like force, fraud, coercion, all of those things mm -hmm. identify trafficking. And all the time, all the time we have women self-identify and go, I mm -hmm. never knew that's what it was. That was me. I, I never, never knew. knew. And you know what? I want to speak right now to the listeners because there are some of you who are listening yeah. and you're like, what kind of girl thinks that? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with her? I would never... Mm -hmm. Who is that? And I just want to tell you that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I just want to tell you that you're wrong and that um, we do not need to have that kind of mentality when someone is sharing their story, when someone's talking about where they've been, because let me tell you, it is by the grace of God that you that are listening, that are thinking that have not also walked down some of these roads. Yeah, so yeah. I just like, I need to say that because I even say it to the girls at the jail. I'm like, you don't you even think less of somebody? Mm -hmm. Don't you ever? Because we just don't know. Yeah. What someone's so been through. So trafficked. I just went on a soapbox right there, Holly. Like I, no, get I me appreciate fired it. Up. I appreciate it. Cause a lot of people don't realize, I think even I didn't, right. I, I started uh, getting into anti-trafficking causes uh, when I came to Christ before I realized that I had been trafficked. Golly. I just was passionate about it because I thought, and, but I thought that trafficking meant you live in Southeast Asia, you were stolen from your totally. parents mm -hmm. and you were sold to another group who then locks you in a basement and, and then you're raped. Right. And so that was in my mind, what it was, it took me so 
many years to realize that that was me too. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I had all this passion for it. I had no idea why I had such passion for it until I realized many years later, wow, that's my story Mm -hmm. too. Have you read Girls Like Us? No. Should I? Yes. You should read it today. Okay. Okay. Um, It's by uh, Rachel Lloyd, I believe is her name. And I read it a couple of years ago and it was when my eyes were open to trafficking Mm -hmm. because I was like you. I thought Southeast Asia, Cambodia, locked in a room, chained, not given any food. Mm -hmm. When in the reality, many women can be trafficked and live what they think a quote unquote, really great life. Right. Yeah. And the chains just look different. The chains look different. Yeah. The chains look different. So that was even a part of your story. So, I mean, we've got addiction, Mm -hmm. abortion, trafficking, and you end up at the bottom of the floor and say, God help me. Yeah. It's just pretty I just, audacious to ask God to help me in a situation like that, right? But also, it's just another example of like, I mean, we see it in the New Testament. We see it in the New Testament right. when someone's like, "God, I don't know if you can, but I'm going to believe." Like, right. help me, yes, help me believe. I want to be. I want to know this. And I think that's where He loves to meet us. I mean, I really believe that. Like, there was something that happened to me on that floor that was just the ultimate surrender. Mm. I. I was done living my own life. I was ready to die to myself. And I think God loves it when we're ready to die to ourselves because that's a life he can take and mold completely for his glory. That's a life he can say, okay, you're done. All right, let me let now me flood in this. and do things beyond your wildest dreams with your life. Do you look back and see any other times in your life that you might've been ready for that? Or did you have to like, you were just... You know what's so funny? I didn't remember this, but I apparently went to an Acquire the Fire conference that my mom's friend took me to when I was seven. And I do not remember this, okay. but um, I apparently got saved uh-huh. at that conference. Uh-huh. <laughs> All I, re- I, I, The only thing I remember was years later when I came to Christ and I became a worship leader, we were like backstage one time and everyone started singing this song, Our God is an Awesome God. And, and I you're was like, like, wait, I have a memory. Oh my gosh, I have <laughs> yes. a memory. And yeah, and it turned out that I had like, apparently responded to the altar call, did not remember any of it. But sometimes I wonder, like, did God honor that? Mm-hmm. Did he Did He actually honor that decision that I made mm-hmm. in that moment at age seven to be with me all of my life? Mm-hmm. But really, I think I had to hit a complete bottom before I was willing to ask for help. Yeah. And everybody's bottom looks different. So true. It really does. It's so true. For some people, their bottom could feel as bad as mine felt, and it might just be anxiety or totally. problems in parenting mm-hmm. or depression or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think pain is pain, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And everyone has their own threshold for that. Yeah. And um, I try. that's something I have to work on always is to try not to judge other people's pain. Like, oh, sob story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you're like, hey, have you ever been trafficked? <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. Okay. So you've never been in jail? Okay. <laughs> okay, right. Um, okay, so you're on the bottom. You meet this man, which again, I'm like, God, thank you, God, that he brought like a nice man Mm -hmm. because you were pretty like vulnerable. Yeah. Very vulnerable. Let's just be honest. So you meet this nice man, you go to a recovery meeting and you have been sober since that day. I am blown away. Just over 17 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It really is a miracle. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. Addiction is no joke Mm -hmm. and praise be to God. Yeah. Yeah. I so, also believe it's treatable too. You know, I mean, I believe, uh, I believe that God wants to restore our hearts and our lives. I, um, and I believe that the tools that are offered in recovery programs work. I really believe they do. So you become sober, but you didn't start following Jesus. No. So I didn't, I still didn't know who that God was that you had called out to. Yeah. Did you think that God had helped you? I knew God had helped me. 
Okay. And so I spent a lot of years seeking God. I knew, I knew in my, like to the core of my being that I had cried out to God on that that, bathroom, on that bathroom floor and that I'd been rescued that night. And I knew that, um, I knew that it was a God that was keeping me sober. I knew that it was God that was moving in my life and directing my path and healing my heart, even beginning to heal my heart. But I had no idea who God was. And I I remember like I read every book that Oprah recommends and I tried like <laughs> yoga and meditation and Buddhism. Looking for this God. Looking for God. Wow. But the problem was I never would have considered Christianity. And a lot of times it was because I would flash back to um, Christians that I had met that didn't, that um, that weren't very loving with me. Mm. You know, um, the women in the, the abortion, mm-hmm. walking into the abortion or, um, or, just other things I'd heard or, you know, I didn't, I thought that God in the Christian sense would have been judgmental Mm -hmm. and that, um, that I wouldn't have been accepted. Mm. So how did that change? So I, how did you meet the God, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ? How did you meet him? So yeah, funny story. I had this Bible that I had stolen. Hilarious. <laughs> Just fitting. It's, I love that. It. It's great. Right. God will use anything. That's he right. Even a stolen, a stolen Bible. Bible. So yeah, I had, um, I'd stolen this Bible. Um, and I, and from where, where'd you steal it from? I'm just from curious. My, from a school library. I was playing a role. I was, I worked in theater for a lot of years and I was playing a role of a Christian woman in the grapes of wrath. And so I was like, I should research this role by reading the Bible. And I remember opening it and just, it was complete gibberish to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I could not read it. Mm-hmm. And this was a pretty modern translation. It was an NIV. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't even right. King we're not James talking, Exactly. Yeah. But without the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. I think, and when we're not ready, God's word can sometimes just be a jumbled mess. Totally. Yeah. And that was my experience. I could not read it. And, uh, and so it just sat on my shelf. How did your role go though? Did you portray a well. good Christian? Actually, it went well. Yeah. I got like good reviews there for go. it and everything. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe that was God planning <laughs> Too, before yeah, I even knew exactly, it. <laughs> exactly. So you have the stolen school library Bible. Yes. So I have the stolen Bible. And um, I remember one day I just said, okay, God, if you're real and if you're in here, speak to me. And I opened up the Bible and I put my finger inside and um, my my finger landed on the passage in John 8. No, it did not. Jesus forgives the adulterous No, it woman. did not. Yep. It's one of my favorite. I know. I read in your book and I was like, oh, this girl's after my heart. John 8. So you end up in John 8. John 8, Jesus forgiving the adulterous woman. So this was me meeting Jesus for the first time. And uh, and I saw this God for the first time who loved someone in her sin and then loved her out of it. And I knew that this was the God that had saved me. I knew that this was the God that goes around to public bathrooms, picking girls like me up off the floor and giving them a whole new life. Mm. And, uh, and I wanted to know more. And so I read the whole new Testament and then I went back and I read the whole old Testament. And you're still not, you're not in a church. Nope. You're not like no. I was so scared in a small to a group. Not in a small group. You're no. not around believers. No, I knew one. <laughs> yeah, so I but just wanted like to read the Bible. You're like a secret Bible reader at yeah. night, and it literally was a secret. I mean, I was, you know, I worked in musical theater, and that's like, and I lived in San Francisco, and those things are not like it's not cool to be reading the Bible. No, not in like, San Francisco. <laughs> no, no, not in musical theater either. You know, it just was not a career that um, welcomed Christ followers necessarily, and so I. Um, yeah, I was secretly reading the Bible and I took, uh, I took several months to read through the Bible and it was actually a year of me, just me and the Bible, just me um, and Jesus and getting to know who God was and the things that happened in my life and in my heart in that time were unbelievable. I mean, he went in and just healed shame that I'd had for so long. And I saw God using people like me, 
I saw people like me all over the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and I saw him loving them and I saw him transforming them. And, uh, and I developed this wonderful relationship with the God of the universe and the God who saved me. And it was about a year and a half, about a year in that I went to Israel to be baptized. I didn't know that you were supposed to like go to a church to be baptized. So you just went to Israel I to just get went baptized to yeah. by yourself? Yeah. I, well, I was with some, I was in a relationship with someone at the time. So we went together, but uh-huh. I went, but he was not baptized. So uh-huh. I went by myself and I didn't, there was no one there to baptize me. Like I didn't even know you were supposed to go with a pastor or something. Cause I didn't have a pastor. So I showed up on the banks of the Jordan River just looking for someone to baptize me. And, and who did? It was this Greek, no, Russian Orthodox priest. So like literally you were just like, person. can you baptize me? Yes. I was going up to everyone asking if they would baptize <gasps> Holly, me. This is the best. It was so funny. So, and everyone said, no, there was like, they were either with a group that was about to leave or whatever. And then this sweet Russian Orthodox priest with the big tall hat and everything came walking toward me and had this beautiful smile. And I said, sir, would you be willing to baptize me? And he said, I assume you are not Russian Orthodox. <laughs> and I said, no, but I really want to be baptized. I came all the way from California. And he said, I will baptize you. And so he baptized me and get pictures. I have pictures. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to need you to share okay, those with yeah, me. Yeah, I will. I will. There's a picture in my book as well. <laughs> so you go to Israel to get baptized. Yep. You know, Holly, one thing I'm loving about this is your love and desire and craving for the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that so many people don't even have who've been walking with him for years. Right. I mean, I'm even thinking about like seasons of my own life where I'm like, man, I don't crave God's word the way Mm. that it was literally, it was food and water for you. Absolutely. It was food, water, medicine, life itself. I mean, it really, the, the word of God is what transformed me. And so I know it's alive. I know it's true. I know it works. Mm. Um, I know, I know that Jesus lives in it, um, because I met him in it. There was no Christian. I mean, I, you know, I knew Christians, but there was no person Mm -hmm. that, that was, um, giving me God. There was no church community or Christian culture that I was being formed or shaped by. It was just the word of God. And it was more than enough. Mm. In fact, it was better because then by the time I got into Christian community, my identity was already so solidly rooted in who God said I was that I didn't worry about what people thought of me. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I encounter and when I encountered and still do today, encounter people who are sort of shocked by my story or even upset by my story, or, um, you know, even subconsciously might think, um, this person doesn't belong in leadership or in the church or, um, or in God's kingdom, I'm able to stand on the word of God and say, no, I know, I know that he uh, loves me, that he saved me, that he's transformed me, that he wants to use me. So it's uh, it's it's probably the healthiest place really to have spiritual. You know, it is the healthiest. You know why? Because here I am thinking, Kelly, how did how did it take you a year, two years to believe that? And it took me, you know, after following Jesus, right. fifteen years right. to figure that, or you know, ten years to figure that out. You know why? Because I had all this Christian culture crap right. in my head, right? Where I thought that God couldn't use me because I had done this or this or that. And you actually were just like, well, Jesus did in the Bible. He said it. So I'm going to believe it, (laughs) which is my like anthem for women now is like, just believe what he says. Right. 
It's there, believe it. And you took him at his word. Right. And and I think that is harder to do sometimes in the church because there is this deep desire in the church to follow Jesus and to follow his word and to be obedient. And I love that. I love walking in obedience today. I think um, I think it's important. I think it's va- I think it's valid. But um, but then the focus on obedience can sometimes take away from the good news of the gospel that we're always forgiven. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. All right, friends, I know you're loving this show and Holly's story is so unbelievably amazing. And we're going to get back to it in just a minute. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, people that make the happy hour happen. Are any of you guys hiring? You know, every business needs a great people and we need a better way to find these great people. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. You guys, here's the deal. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way. So they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and then invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, listen to this, you guys, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And you guys, ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there, you guys. ZipRecruiter is how you're going to find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners of the happy hour, that's you if you're listening, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, you guys, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. The smartest way to hire is ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. You guys, I also want to thank another sponsor for the happy hour, and that is Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. You guys know it's spring cleaning. I told you got this before. The IVs have been doing some spring cleaning. And if you're getting ready to tackle your spring cleaning this year, you should use Mr. Clean Magic Eraser to take on the impossible stains that sprays and your wipes just cannot handle. We tried it in our house on Tough Messes and it blew us away. We used it in our bathroom around the bathtub to get that soap scum out. We've used it in the kitchen on our stove. We've used it on the walls to get the, you know, the stuff where your kids put their fingerprints all over the walls. We've done it all. It's also so easy to use. All you have to do is wet it under the tap, give it a squeeze, and then it's ready to erase. Y'all, my 10-year-old story has used the magic eraser around the house. And because it cleans with water alone, you don't have to worry about harsh cleaning, fumes, or scents. In fact, if you're about to take on your spring cleaning, I'm just going to say from one friend to another is that you should definitely try Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. It makes cleaning your toughest kitchen and bathroom messes fast and easy. Check out MrClean.com slash the happy hour to see more ways the magic eraser can help you knock out impossible messes all around your house. All right, guys, back to my conversation with Holly. Well, so th- this is unbelievable, but there's more because I know, I don't know how you were feeling. I know how I felt in sin and shame from past decisions right. that the man that I would marry would mm-hmm. maybe not fully deserve right. what he was getting. Yeah. You know, cause I just thought, man, you know, in my story, when I married my husband, he was a virgin mm-hmm. and I was clearly not, mm-hmm. um, and he had never drank alcohol and I had been drunk way too many times in high school and college. Yeah. Um, tell me about that struggle for you. And yeah. it was it, 
I'm assuming it was. Yeah. Um, and, and my husband's like yours, um, and, uh, was just a good old Christian boy mm-hmm. his whole life. And, and y'all met in Bible study. We met in Bible study and, um, yeah. And I dated, you know, I, I dated a lot when I came to Christ and uh, I shouldn't say a lot. I dated, um, you know, I dated a few people when I came to Christ and, um, and each time that revelation of my life and my mm. past had to come up. And I, I loved reading that in your book about uh-huh. that moment on the beach where it's like, okay, so I need to tell you everything. Here now. it is. And my everything. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And, um, and each time, there was the fear and the vulnerability, but I knew that um, I knew who Jesus said I was. Mm-hmm. I knew that I could stand on who He said I was, and so um, there were definitely times that I was rejected for my past, and it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, I knew that wasn't the man that God had for me, mm-hmm. because I knew that the man that God had for me was going to see me the way that Jesus did. And so, in some ways, it was really easy. It was like I got to weed people out pretty yeah, easily. Okay, like, dead. hey, here's my life. What uh-huh. do you think? And if they were at all frightened by it, or at all, if their response wasn't what an incredible redemptive story God's writing on your life and I want in on it, then I knew they weren't the Done. man that God had for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So how, do you remember when you told your husband for the first time? Yeah. Was it in San Francisco or Paris? It had was he already, in Paris. He had already trekked across the world? Yes. And that's a little scary because it's had like- he moved or he no, was on visiting? He, had, he came to visit first. And um, you're like, I have to tell him before he packs his absolutely. bags. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So when he came out to visit for the first time, first, you know, we- I, I kind of pushed him off and I was like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I want to date, but he was like, let me just come and visit as friends. And, uh, and so he came out to spend time with me just as friends at first. And then he asked me out on a date with these, like this beautiful bouquet of roses. In Paris. And, yes. You had your first date in Paris. Yeah, we had our first I mean, date come in on. Paris. It doesn't get any better. I know it really doesn't. It was pretty romantic. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I knew that I needed to talk to him about it pretty quickly. And it was so amazing when I revealed, um, all of my life story, because I kind of shared the whole thing all at once. What he said to me was, now I understand where your joy comes from. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He said, uh, I've always seen such joy in you. And now I understand that it's that, uh, that he who's been forgiven much loves much, that there's a joy in you that can only come from someone who's overcome so much and knows, truly knows the joy of the Lord. And I teared up and I was like, oh my gosh, oh, this is, um, not just like the response that I would hope for from the man that mm-hmm. I would marry of like, you're forgiven. God says you're forgiven. So I love you and I forgive you. But it was, no, this is the best thing about you. I see it in you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you know then that you were going to marry him? I hoped. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, he's here on visiting. We'll see what he's happens. He's really cute. Yeah. And he says that he likes my past. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, I definitely hoped. Um, and we needed to spend time together and get to know each other. But um, but yeah, I I definitely I definitely hoped that he would be the, the one after that talk. And he was. Yeah, it turns out. And he was. How long did y'all date? Uh, not long. So that was in November. And then we were engaged in July and married in September. So Love it. Uh, we knew pretty quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. But, but we were older, you know, I mean, we were in our thirties and mm-hmm. so it was, we knew what we were looking for and we knew when it was right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know that people are, are going to be listening and they're thinking, okay, this is awesome. The Holly and Jamie can like air out all their dirty laundry <laughs> in books and podcasts and stuff. <laughs> and you know, the question I get all the time is, is this is this what we're supposed to do? We're just supposed to like get a microphone and yell out everywhere we've been. Right. And I, I'm just like, no, but I am thinking, man, this is how God uses our stories. He does. 
He does. He uses our stories. And this is, you're an example of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure that it's not always your favorite thing to stand up and say, okay, so I had five abortions. I was an alcoholic by 16 and, you know, jail and all these kind of things. Those things aren't fun. You know, no one gets- You know what is fun is like afterward when people come up to you and they're like, thank you for saying that Mm -hmm. because now I can say- what I've been through. And I really do believe that God delights in it too. Mm -hmm. I think that there's such power in testimony and that faith rises in testimony. And so the, it's worth it. It's It's worth it. It's so worth it. And stories, I say stories change life. Stories change the world. I mean, everyone, it does that. And I hope that as you're listening, you're thinking, okay, I've never experienced any of this stuff, but I do have pain that I want to really trust who God says I am. I'm not this pain. I'm not this struggle. I'm not this sin. Mm -hmm. I'm not this that I've always been told I was. Mm -hmm. And then you get to turn around and use the way that God's redeemed you Mm -hmm. to like give him glory. Yeah. You know what I love? There's so, um, scripture talks about how for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. And I always love that scripture because I think of, well, what was the joy set before him that he endured the cross for? And if we know that he endured the cross to take away sin, to take away shame, to strip all of that off us, then the joy set before him was us living a life free from all of it and us being able to give testimony and give him glory for all of it. So really when we give him testimony and glory and we talk about how much he's forgiven or the sin or shame that he's stripped off of us. That's the joy that was set before him. That's the joy that he endured the cross for. Totally. Totally. And you know what I was just thinking? If people are not afraid, if people are afraid to share their mess, you know, what would have been life-changing for you had you exited that door at the end of the clinic and someone has said, I know what it feels like. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've done this too. Yep. And let me tell you what has brought me freedom. Yeah. That would have been life-changing. Absolutely. And that's my heart. I mean, I I dream of building a ministry that meets people at the other door mm. and, you know, that that just uh, loves on women walking out of that back door of, of an abortion clinic, of the jail, which is what you're yeah. already doing, which mm-hmm. I love, um, of, of rehab facilities, mm-hmm. of all the places where we tend to hit our worst bottoms. Um, and I just feel like if we can meet people at that door, that's where Jesus really becomes alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's John 8, right? Yeah, it totally is. Jesus met her right Mm -hmm. there. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone left. Mm -hmm. It is like all the, they're all there. Like I'm going to throw stones. I'm going to throw stones. I'm going to throw stones. Just like judging, judging. Yeah. And then Jesus is like, okay, you can throw if you don't have any sin. sin. And I love that too, because I think it's important for us to remember. Yeah. Like a lot of people listening may not have my story, but we all have sin. Totally. We all have a past. There's something, right? Mm -hmm. There's something that in this moment, someone's thinking I need to put down my stone. Totally. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And so I think that, that, that was such a perfect picture for me to see as my first introduction to who, who Jesus is and what life in Christ can look like is that we're all equal. Like all sin is equal in the eyes of God. So whether the sin is pride or the sin is um, five abortions, mm-hmm. there is nothing that that God can't forgive. And he really sees it all equally, which is sort of upsetting. It's sometimes. crazy. It is crazy. I mean, us that we feel like we have the quote unquote bad sins. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, praise God. And then people who are like, well, I just have pride. They're like, she gets the same kind of grace that I get. Right. But it's so true. And we all need it. I still, I am never going to get over that you opened up a stolen Bible for the first time and read John 8. I swear to you, I will think about that until I die. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, if I was to go back in my life and pick the perfect scripture 
to give to me in that moment, it would have been that. And of I, course, right, because God is perfect. And he was writing the story from the beginning. He knew um, exactly where my finger needed to open up. Yeah. To. It kind of baffles me sometimes because it's pretty far back in the totally Bible. Too. Why didn't is. I open yeah. to the middle? Yeah. Like I should Get have like opened a to a Psalm, psalm or, or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how. I don't know how. But uh, and then it showed up twice more in like within the period of a week or so, um, that that story. And so it was like, okay, you're, I'm listening. All right. Yeah, I'm listening. Wow. Okay. So now, I mean, now what does life look like for you? Mm -hmm. How do you feel as though God's taking your story in your life and how he's redeemed you? How are you then quote unquote, giving that back? What are you doing? Yeah. So I, um, I'm really passionate about helping other people get free of that shame. Uh, it took, it took a little while for me and I had to go through some, um, some work to get there. Like it wasn't, Jesus healed me, uh, in moments and gave me like revelation that brought a lot of freedom. And then there were other times where I needed to go to people for help and needed to get counseling and I needed to do inner healing work with, um, with people in the church. And, and so my heart now is to help other people walk through that and, um, and to work with other women who are, who are coming out of that. Um, and, you know, I love like that Jesus can partner with us in whatever work we're doing, whether it's um, in recovery programs. I love the 12 steps. Oh, such beautiful spiritual disciplines. And um, and I think when Jesus meets us in the 12 steps, there's so much power there. Uh, I think he can meet us in counseling if we're working with counselors that are open to us bringing Jesus in and saying, okay, how can we talk about my identity in Christ in relation to this issue that I want to work through. Um, and then I'm really passionate too, about just like going straight to Jesus in meditation. Mm -hmm. I've had such incredible moments with him in meditation. And I help other women do this too, where, where I've gone back to moments in my past and said, okay, God, show me where you were in this moment. Show me where you were in the abortion clinic. Show me where you were, um, show me where you were in that abuse or that rape or that situation. And I've had him actually show me, um, you know, images of him, Jesus, either kneeling beside me and interceding for me or uh, with an arm outstretched, uh, delivering me in a moment. Or at one time he like an, an army of angels flooded in mm. to protect me, to guard my heart in a moment. And so I love taking other people mm. through that work as well to like, because I think now when I look back on my past and look back on those moments, I can't see them without Jesus there. Mm. And so I literally can't have shame because I see my savior in the midst of it mm-hmm. with me in yeah. it. Which is uncommon for you to, for people to say that, that yeah. I look back on some of the hardest moments and see that God was actually with me. He truly was though. There's nowhere he won't go. I know that mm-hmm. there's no place that's too dark for him. Um, he wants to redeem all of it. I remember him showing me this really beautiful image of uh, I was uh, I was lying on the floor and just covered in like scrapes and scars and stains. Is this and a true image or this, this is was like... a this was in meditation? Okay, got in, it. In inner healing meditation, and so I and I and I saw basically my sin on mm-hmm. me, and I saw him standing over me, and he. Um, and he pulled the sin off of me, like all the scars and the scrapes and the and the pain, and he pulled it onto his body. And then he took his gleaming white righteousness and poured it down onto my body. And I, and I really understood the cross for the first time that like, he doesn't just take our sin. He takes sin that was done to us. He takes, um, you know, our harms and our hurts and really everything, all of the stains in our lives off of our bodies and, and gives us his righteousness. And so then it's like, well, I can't walk around. I can't try to take it back. Like mm. he's already taken it. I, I have to walk around free because, um, because he paid too high a price for me to get free. It's so true. It's so true. And when we question that, we're actually saying, 
God, you really aren't that big. Oh yeah. I, there's a quote from your book that I love <sighs> about that. I even wrote it down to like tweet it later. Oh, you're kind. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I don't want to mess it up. It's like, um, when we live in, I'll just read it, but okay, it's good. I don't even know where, I mean, I think I might know what you're going to say, but I couldn't say it verbatim. A life of guilt and shame does not proclaim the goodness of God. It proclaims the impotence and inadequacy of God. Jamie Ivey, if you only knew. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you right there, Holly. I love that quote, though, because it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. When we're walking around in guilt and shame, we're not proclaiming that God is good. We're saying he's he's good enough for some people, but not for me. My sin's too big. Totally. And I feel like, I mean, I felt like this for so many years is I feel like I owed God a life of I'm not worthy. Oh, yeah. Of like penance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's just what it is. I need to be sad and sorrowful for this and embarrassed and shameful because then God knows I'm really sorry about it. Right. Right. And I think there's a moment of that that we need where it's like conviction from the Holy Spirit, but then, but then he wants us to walk in forgiveness. Mm -hmm. He wants us to live in forgiveness because really when we start holding on to our own guilt and shame, we have a really hard time forgiving other people too. Yeah. yeah. And that conviction and that feeling should lead to repentance. And then when it leads to repentance, we are forgiven and we are set free, but I don't lead, it wasn't leading to repentance for me. It was just leading to, I'm a horrible person. I'll, I'll bear this cross forever because then you'll know how sorry and bad and awful I was. And thank you for Jesus, but I don't know that he can handle this. Yeah. Thank you for this grace, but I'm going to, I'm going to not take it. I'm I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I remember the moment that I realized my abortions were murder. I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about David being a murderer. And I was like, I can't believe God could even forgive a murderer. I was thinking to myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came on me and said, Holly, you're a murderer too. Mm-hmm. You've murdered five of my babies. And I remember the, 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 you know, the, the conviction that came over me, the remorse that came over me. And I was weeping and there was this overwhelming sadness, but then immediately God said, and I've forgiven you Mm. and I've taken even that. And it was like, okay, I guess I can't stay here. I guess I can't stay in this pain because you say you've forgiven it. So who am I to hold on to Mm -hmm. it? Which, you know, abortion is such a hard thing because there are so many women that have walked through that and haven't told anyone. I found that too. It's funny. I'll confess it. And then people will come up to me and confess to me that they've, that they've done it and they've never told anyone. And I, I, what do you say to them? What do you say to the person who's listening and actually is thinking, this is me. I've never even told my husband. I hear that all the time. Oh yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. And I always just say you're forgiven. And and I'll tell them that story about how God showed me that it that it was murder, but then in the moment said, and I forgive you. There's nothing I can't forgive. And I thank them for confessing to me because they've now said it out loud. And I believe there is power in confession. You know, scripture says, confess your sins to God and he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, which is wonderful. But then there's this other part that says, confess to one another, pray for each other that you might be healed, which means the healing actually comes in confessing to each other. And so I remind them of that and thank them for confessing to me, even if I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes we need to confess to a stranger. Yeah. It gets into I'll the light. I'll probably get a few emails after I know, this right? podcast. <laughs> me Confession. Too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. And I think for women, that's a, it's, it's hard because we feel maybe more guilt over this pregnancy and this yeah, baby absolutely. than we would maybe over other sins. And and I get that. Because there's know? another life involved yeah. that didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it goes back to we can't put this as the one thing that God says, I can't forgive this. It's so true. And you know, what's beautiful is that when he showed me that he forgave me, he also said, and they're with me. Mm. Your babies are with me. 
and he showed me images of them. He's he's given me their names. I know their names. I get to pray for them all the time. And I know today that I'm still their mama. And I know that sounds really weird, um, but I, I know them. He's given me the opportunity to know them and he's raised them for me because he knows that I couldn't at that moment. Um, and so I know that he can redeem anything. I know that there's there's nothing that um, he did, wasn't surprised by it. He's not like, oh my gosh, oops, she I didn't had see an abortion. This coming. I didn't, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He knew. He knew. And he he always had a plan for those children, even. He always had a redemptive story for them. It's so true. And I am I am so grateful for you sharing your story today. Thanks. I mean, so I feel so honored to have heard it. Mm-hmm. And now all of these thousands of women that have heard it, they're honored as well to share with your story. But more than that, I know that when we, just like we've talked about a thousand times in the last 20 minutes, mm-hmm. when we say these things out loud, they're not just so that we can proclaim Holly and Jamie's story. Right. These are so that we can proclaim the goodness and faithfulness and kindness of God who loves us so much. And so Absolutely. you have done that well today, my Thank friend. You. Okay. Before we go, and before I ask you what you're loving and reading, tell us about the the newest project that you just started. Yeah. So I um I have a book that just came out. It's called From Basement to Sanctuary. And I talk about finding um, healing and transformation through surrender. And I share my story in there and I give some exercises that people can go through to really get free of their shame if it's something that they're struggling with around absolutely any issue. Um, you don't have to have walked through my life to um, to get something out of the book. Um, but most recently, I've just started a nonprofit called Sanctuary Project that I'm so, so, so excited about. And uh, it's a community of survivors of trafficking, violence, and addiction. And I believe those three things are often really linked. Totally. Um, and uh, we have a jewelry line that just came out. We have a candle line that came out. And we have uh, a home decor line that's coming soon. And so this is a community where we're going to be employing um, hopefully many women uh, over time that uh, that are survivors that are coming out of this. And this is an opportunity for them to transition into a healthy and whole and transformed lifestyle. I love it so much. And I'm just going to like name it and claim it right now that one day some of the girls that are leaving the county jail at Travis County are going to be I pray that's making true. candles and jewelry yes. with you. I've, I pray that's true. I really hope so. That's, I really that's hope my so heart. as well. I just can't wait to like work with these women. And, um, you know, this is a brand new company, so we're still like getting things off the ground. But I know God's given me such a heart for, for you know, giving these women a new life and eventually writing letters of recommendation for them to go on to yes. even bigger things. But, um, but it's so hard to find work when you have a record, let's say, or when you're coming hard, when you're, you know, just getting sober. I remember, you know, I was so nervous every time I still get nervous sometimes when they ask for a background check and I work for churches. So I'm like, okay, you know, my story, right? right so right. the background check's going to have some stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, even it's hard too to find work, even when you leave jail too, because sometimes you don't even have a home to go to. Totally. Yeah. You and can't we go back to, to the same, someday too. you can't that's go back to the hope. same people. It's true. Cause that's how you got there. Exactly. And I think the temptation sometimes is just to go back to what you know. And so, the more resources there are out there for people to, to step into a new life that's safe, that's comfortable, um, where they can thrive uh, in creativity. And, uh, you know, there's something so meditative. I've been making the jewelry with another mm-hmm. advocate right now, mm-hmm. and there's something so meditative about it Working and actually healing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Making something beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, each of our pieces has a message of hope. We have, um, we've been really intentional about, I've been intentional about what I'm designing to, to create messages of hope with each piece. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Are y'all on Instagram? 
We are, yeah. What's so your Instagram? It's sanctuary underscore project. Okay, so they can find you on Instagram yeah, and find your us webpage. On Instagram I'll put it all website. in the show notes so everyone Thank can go you. find yeah. it. Um, at sanctuary underscore project on mm-hmm. Instagram, which Instagram's my favorite, so that's what Mine I ask too. about. I know, I so know. Fun. it's hard for me to go anywhere else. Me too. Now. <laughs> me too. I'm like Instagram for yeah. the win. Um, okay, so could we give away a necklace? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Okay, so whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the day it comes out, uh, the following day on that Thursday, I will put up a picture of a necklace on Instagram and we'll do a giveaway and everyone can come check out all your stuff. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Uh, Okay, what are you loving and what are you reading? Oh, okay. So what I'm loving, okay, I'm loving, have you heard of Latote? Uh, yes. It's oh where you get the clothes in the mail. Yes. And it's not just like, so I tried some of the other clothes in the mails, things like, um, like stitch fix and stuff. And I'm really, really picky. Like okay. I want to be able to choose myself. And then the other thing is like with Latote, you actually can, it's just rental. Like you can wear them and then send them back. And so I love that because I never want to wear the same thing again. I'm is so, what you have that- on Latote? No, not today, but okay. like yesterday and the day before I'm in between boxes right now. So how many do you get at a time? How many clothes? So you get, I, it depends on your subscription, uh-huh. but I get five pieces of clothes and three accessories. And then so you can fun. do several in a month. You can do like four boxes in yeah. a month if you wear them really fast yeah. and send them back. Uh-huh. And then you never have to wear the same thing twice again. I, I love it. it. I did something like that similar before and it was so much fun. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. And then you can keep some of the clothes if you love them uh-huh. and you get to keep them at like a discounted price because they're used. Love it. It's perfect. Love it's it. amazing. Okay, let's hope. What else? Oh, I'm loving, so I'm loving marble jewelry right now. This is something that we did a lot of for Sanctuary Project, okay. but I, it's so funny. Like my husband and I were shopping for countertops uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and kept seeing all this beautiful Carrera marble. And I said to him, this was about a year ago, why don't they make jewelry in Carrera marble? It's so beautiful. And then um, we spent our, this last summer in Paris. And while we were in Paris, I started seeing little pieces here and there that that were Carrera marble inspired. And um, and so for Sanctuary Project, I've done a lot of like marble It's really jewelry. beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? Very I'm wearing, beautiful. I am wearing that right yes, now. Yes, yes. But yeah, I love it because it has this feeling of like, you know, some of the cathedrals of Paris are something with their marble pews or marble. So fabulous. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's just cool and neutral. It goes with everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else? I'm loving the passion translation of the Bible. Mm. Have you read it yet? No, but you know, you're the second person to say that on really? here. Uh-huh. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I have like, so a girlfriend of mine got it for me for my birthday. I am so in love with it. The, the language is so rich and descriptive. And, um, I, I like to pray the Psalms in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so the Psalms in the passion translation are just so elegant. I mean, it's just so wordy. I mean, if you, if you're like into words, uh-huh. which obviously you are, you're yeah. a writer, right? Uh-huh. So if you're into words, it's just so beautiful. What are you reading? 
I just read your book. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. And I loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just finished reading it. And um, I just loved it. I mean, I... I'm so passionate about the church getting more transparent and vulnerable, but not just transparent and vulnerable for transparency's sake. Like, here's all my sin. Exactly. You know, yep. but actually like to proclaim the goodness of God, that there is nothing he can't forgive. There's nothing he can't redeem. There's no life that's too far gone. And I loved your story because um, I think that the church needs to hear stories of people in the church. Mm-hmm. Obviously my story is so different because I came from outside the church yeah. and it's like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. But then, you know, your story is so beautiful because it's like, here, I, I knew and I walked away anyway. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. I loved, uh, well, yeah. thank you. I, I read it in like two days. I just soaked up every thank word. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for reading it. Anything, now what are you reading? Well, I'm going to read that book that you recommended. Oh, yes, Girl, Girls Like Us. Girls Like Us. Yeah, I think that's going to be next. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. We could talk for hours, but we yeah. got to go. Yeah. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the happy hour. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Spring is here and that means spring cleaning is too. This year, I tried Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, and it worked like magic. It cleaned the tough stuff that my sprays and wipes just cannot clean, like burnt-on stains on my stovetop. And that stubborn ring around my bathtub, it is gone, you guys. And it was so easy to use. You just wet, squeeze, and it's ready to erase. See what cleaning wonders it can do for your home by visiting mrclean.com slash thehappyhour. I told you that you guys were going to love my conversation with Holly, and I hope you did as much as I promised. I loved hearing her story because it's another example of how much God redeems our lives, no matter how far we are from Him. Also, can you even begin to believe her finger landing on John 8 when she opened up her stolen Bible? I promise you I have not stopped thinking about that. I love it so very much. You guys, my hope for you as you listen to the show today is not that you're going to leave here remembering a crazy story of a girl who stole a Bible and cried out to God on the bathroom floor after her world was collapsing around her, but I pray and hope that you are going to leave here remembering how good our God is, how faithful our God is, how much joy we can have no matter what our circumstances are, because we've all overcome so much and been forgiven of so much. You guys, make sure you check out Holly's Instagram and her webpage. We're going to link to all of those in the show notes over at jamieivy.com. Also, don't forget, tomorrow I'm giving away some of her product, a necklace on my Instagram page. Go find me over there at Jamie Ivy. Also, I told Holly one of my favorite books I've ever read called Girls Like Us. She's going to go grab it and start reading it. I hope you do as well. You can get it on Amazon. Just be ready to have your mind blown with every single chapter. And If you don't mind, I do a small plug. While you're there, just go ahead and grab If You Only Knew. That's my book that released this past January, and I think you're going to love it as well. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Carrie Rosema. Carrie was recommending me by her friend, and when I heard her story, I could not stop thinking about it. Again, I'm so thankful that she came into my studio and shared her story with me. Carrie and her husband actually dated while he was in prison, and they were married 10 days after his release. I cannot wait for you to hear her story of God's faithfulness in her life and in her marriage. You guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend, and I will see you guys back here next week with my guest, Carrie Rosema. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. 
try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.